members of Ramsey Solutions, it's the Ramsey Show, where debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid-off home mortgage has taken the place of the BMW as the status symbol of choice. This is the Ramsey Show. We help people build wealth, do work they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. That's 888-825-5225. Ben is going to start us off this hour in Winston-Salem. Hi, Ben. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, David. Ken, how are y'all? Better than we deserve, brother. What's up? Man, good to hear Hey, I just wanted to uh, make it brief. I uh, just wanted to ask you, my company, well, my wife and I has um, recently got to baby step four, five, and six and uh, had a question about investing. My company matches 6%, and then my wife's company matches 3% on our 401Ks. Um, I guess what my question is, the 9% from my company that they do, that they don't match and the 12% for my wife's company that they don't match. Should we take that um, remaining percentage and go with a smart investor pro or just keep it within our company 401k? Okay, the rule of thumb is this. Match beats Roth, beats traditional. So you do all the matching you can do, then you do all the Roth you can do, and if you do all of that and you're still not to 15%, then you would do traditional. Does either your wife or your company offer a Roth 401k yes sir both uh both companies both um they're both currently in a Roth 401k good very good okay so you're going to take the full match there obviously and the match portion the portion the company puts in is technically not Roth it's uh technically traditional and you can't do anything about that but the portion you're putting in is Roth now are do you feel like the mutual funds that you can select from in both 401ks are good strong selections that you can get good funds there well, I'll be honest with you, Dave. I don't know a whole lot about stocks and mutual funds, um, mm-hmm. but I guess that's why I was asking. Um, okay. I, I, I'm really not sure. Okay. I'm not sure what's a good mutual fund and well, what's a good stock. <laughs> all right. Well, if you can get in good mutual funds at the work, then it will be as good as doing a Roth IRA with good mutual funds with a SmartVestor Pro. The beauty of doing the SmartVestor Pro might be, in your case, though, that you get a teacher in your corner that that smart investor pro will be have the heart of a teacher to teach you about your mutual funds and that'll help you select the ones that work as well as the ones for the uh the roth ira so i probably would do at least uh, one roth ira with a smart investor pro and then have them give you some advice on where to put the rest of it whether you can put it okay. in the 401k oh. but you got to put enough in to get the match in both cases and then uh, you don't have to, but that's what I would do. And, and then I would do Roth from there, and you can either do Roth with a SmartVestor Pro or Roth in that 401k, and you'll definitely be able to get to the full thing at that point. So great job. Great job, man. Very, very well done. That's beautifully played. You know, uh, Ken, this, this money thing and this job hunting thing and this mental health thing, the stuff we deal with on the show all the time, um, there's something about those three different subjects there that they have in common that they're uh, they're intimidating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, it it feels like you know I'm not a I'm not a mental health expert. I'm not a career expert. I'm not a money expert. So I don't know what to do with my own life and those things. And the good news is is that while the subjects, you know, they always have experts around those three things, but the um, 
they're common sense. The the solutions are common sense. That's correct. Just common country wisdom. Yeah, it, it these they feel very complex. And uh, what the key to complexity is is always simplicity. I always think about it. You know, if I ever got out in the garage, which I shouldn't be doing much with machines. David, no, you, you should know. You should not. And you see all that uh, that trimming wire all tangled up. Well, there's only one solution to that, right? Either throw it away or you slowly start to unravel that. And, and oh, these, you're talking about your weed eater? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that okay. stuff gets all tangled up. That's not a uh, – there's not complexity there anymore. It's simplicity to get it untangled. And untangling your financial life, untangling work, untangling your mental health, all of that has a simple solution, and it starts with – with, hey, how much of me is involved in this, and what can I do? What can I control? And yeah. that's what we teach here is a clear path in all of those areas to say, all right, I can fix this. It is fixable. And when you decide that, then you look into it and you go, what's the best way to fix it? And you realize it's usually much simpler than you think. But the fear and the doubt associated with these heavy topics tend to keep us kind of Oh, just on the edge of moving forward to actually make a change. You know what, too, that goes with that is um, it's a human tendency, and I, you and I share it with all of our listeners, too, that um, when something like that feels overwhelming or complicated or like over my head, then what I want to do is I just want to hand it to somebody who says they're an expert. Yes. And walk away and let them handle it because I don't want to screw with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the... That very seldom turns out well. Mm-hmm. Instead, what you need to do is you're the experts that are in your life, like the Bible says, in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. And that doesn't say in the multitude of experts. True. It says counsel. Yeah. Counsel is teaching. Yeah. Counsel is speaking into, and then you're... So what we always want to do at Ramsey with any of these subjects is we want to give you information, and if we connect you with someone, um, a mental health professional, a, uh, a Smart Vester Pro... Uh, Churchill Mortgage, we always are requiring them to be Ramsey trusted on the other end and have this uh, heart of a teacher because we always want you guys to make your own decisions. And so if you can't make the decision, it's because you don't have enough knowledge yet and you need to get knowledge in those areas. So that guy's question was fabulous. Yeah, really was. Because now he says, I don't know much about this. But I need to go to a smart vester pro because I think correct. I need to know more about it. Well, that's exactly yeah. right. Instead of I, I, you know, but don't don't tell me I got somebody managing my money. No, 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 no. You're that's managing correct. your money. Yeah. They're teaching you about how that's done and helping you with that. Yeah. Or you know, I, I'm gonna I turned over my job search to another guy. Yeah. No, no, no. You're yeah. in charge of your job. That's search. correct. Here's how that'll play out with that caller. You know, he's going to now sit down with a SmartVestor Pro, and he's going to understand his investment portfolio. He's going to understand the strategy. He's going to understand the things that you've taught us over the years, that you've taught callers, the rate of return, how you stay in the long game. He's going to learn all that, and here's what's going to happen. He'll never be a financial expert like a SmartVestor Pro, but because of that counsel, that advising, here's what happens. He's not going to get freaked out and get scared when the market dips for three straight months. He's not going to make risky moves. Why? He has a knowledge base well, and now some wisdom. If you know what's going on, you sleep at night. That's correct. If you don't know what's going on, you're wondering if your guy down there is screwing you. That's true. It's hard to sleep at night. Yeah. But when you know what you know and you made the call, then you can put your head on the pillow. Mm-hmm. It's not a problem. This is The Ramsey Show.
Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Right now, you're hearing a lot of the talking heads in the news stirring up all the fear about the real estate market. The market's going to crash. The market's going to crash. The market's going to crash. Let me help you with this. It's not going to crash. Sorry, spoiler alert. Uh, We have way too many buyers chasing too few homes. It's a pretty simple supply-demand equation. I know the economy sucks right now. I'm aware of that. I tried to fill up my truck the other day, and it maxed it out. But the stupid <laughs> stupid thing stopped before it let me fill it up. Yeah, you know? you're taking like, too much. Yeah, I know. It's a big old truck. But, yeah, it's a big tank. But, gee, me knee. Yeah, it, you know, here's the deal. Huge supply of homes in 2008. Not enough buyer demand. This is not 2008. It's quite the opposite here. So we've done the hard work of vetting agents if you're in the real estate market, you're thinking about selling, it's actually a good time to sell. The market's not white hot like it was where you get 38 offers in three minutes, uh, but you're going to be able to sell the house in a normal marketing period of time these days. Pretty cool. And great time to buy a house because the market slowed down a little bit. You're not having to compete with 7,000 other people trying to buy the same house on the weekend. So go to RamseySolutions.com slash agent. Get with one of our endorsed local providers. They're Ramsey trusted, and you need a good real estate agent, a great real estate agent in your corner to buy right now and especially to sell right now. If you're thinking about selling, this is the perfect time. Kids went back to school. Everybody's starting to think again about this. The vacations are over from the summer. Uh, Yeah, great time. So go to RamseySolutions.com slash agent, and you can find the real estate agent in your area that we recommend. Clement is with us. Clement is in Tampa, Florida. Hi, Clement. How are you? Good, Dave. How are you? Better than I deserve. What's up? Hey, I just want to say it's an honor to talk to you guys both today. Um, I was approached by a lawyer from Canada uh, about a person with the same last name I have who deceased a while back, roughly nine years ago. And, uh, they approached me saying that there's, there's some money left behind an insurance policy after he died, uh, roughly $13 million. And, um, they approached me saying that, Hey, we wanted to tap into that and you can be a beneficiary. The only thing we ask is that we give 10% to either a local charity or a church of your choosing. And then we would split the remainder 50, 50. I want to know if, um, if this is a common thing or not, or if I'm getting scammed and you're getting scammed question. Yeah. It's a scam. Oh, no, there's no such thing as an insurance policy where a lawyer gets 50% of it for finding you. Hmm. Not in, not even in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why that got me so good. I'm sorry. Not even in Canada. There's there's just no such thing, Clement. I mean, that's just, that's complete bogus crap. The person of the same name. You don't even know a relative. You don't even know, never even heard of them. You had no idea you knew anybody in Canada. You, you don't, you know, and so, and the next thing is they're going to want some money from you up front to get this all settled and figured out because you got to pay the upfront fees to get the documentation done or some crap. And that's where they scam you. But there's not a, you know, sorry, I, I, I hate to burst your bubble, but uh, there's a Nigerian prince also that wants some help <laughs> getting his money out. If you haven't heard that one, it's very similar. Um, yeah, that that's there's just not a there's no such product out there. There's no uh, process in the legal system on probate. 
no lawyers of any kind that do probate law uh, take half for distributing an inheritance that they had nothing to do with. They just don't do it. There's no such thing. This nor do they, a, nor they do, do they demand what you do with the money, like give ten percent of it to that's charity. That's what I was getting at. The scammer with a heart. Oh, yeah. we want you to give some of it to well, charity. Well, that's, that's to give the thing credibility, right? <laughs> yeah, possibly. Yeah, he didn't say he was going to get half of it. He said I, I would be liable to paying him half after I received the full amount. Yeah, it's a, it's a straight up. This is a standard scam procedure, and um, oh. you're going to have to put the money up somewhere. And at some point before you get money, and that's when they're going to take you. Uh, they're going to, it's, it's mm-hmm. a, you know, they're, so no. Uh, as a matter of fact, if I, were you, if I were you, I would report this to the FBI. Huh. Yeah, okay. Because I'm pretty sure this is going on quite a bit. And, you know, this is, this thing's coming waves. But I'm, I'm sorry. I wish you were getting half of $13 million. I wish that for you out of the blue from nowhere. But I can. There's nothing about this that doesn't smell like a scam. I would waste no time on it, and for sure, don't give them any of your banking information. Don't give them any card information. Don't give them any any further information on you that they can use to trap you into some kind of corner later, because this this is what they're after here, and uh, and they're going to be persistent, and they're going to make fun of you and do all kinds of things. And what you need to do is just get away from them as fast as you can. This is a bad deal here. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know what to say. I, I mean, wow, that's pretty bold. Well, they do it all. Um, there, there was one I'm trying to remember how they did it. It was the Spanish lottery, and it came out of Canada too. And it was a standard scam. And I don't remember the process on it. But it was called the Spanish lottery, and they would call you up and say you won the Spanish lottery. And I'm like, I didn't know I was in it. Right. And so, don't yeah, you have to buy a was, ticket. But then you had to you had to post the money in order to prove right. that it was you and then they would switch it around and then by the time they switched it around your part never came uh, but they took the part that you put in and it's it's a mm. it was a a process i can't remember the details of how it rolls out but it's very very interesting so um yeah check it out open phones at triple eight eight two five five two two five you jump in calvin is with us in canada <laughs> oddly enough hey calvin you're not an attorney in canada are you <laughs> <laughs> nope, I'm a real estate agent. Okay, okay. An entrepreneur. Got it. Cool. How can we help? Uh, I'm looking at starting a business. I'm wondering how I can do this without a credit score. I wouldn't. So it's going to cost me about five hundred thousand to get off the ground, and it's a advertising company. It's going to yeah. cost me. I wouldn't do it. That much? You wouldn't do it? Nope. I wouldn't go a half million dollars right. in debt to start a business. Okay, so how would you go about starting an advertising company where your building cost for each uh, billboard poll is about 100000 but you can get that paid off with a 20% margin in two years? Hypothetically, there's a rule in business. Everything takes twice as long as you think it's going to. It costs twice as much, and you're not the exception. And so you've run a pro forma out on some kind of best case scenario here that's got you dreaming and you're willing to take an unreasonable amount of risk to get into this. This is a a story that ends up in bankruptcy here, brother. I've I've been doing this for 30 years and I I started this business on a card table in my living room and we've grown it to $300 million in volume in revenue this year with zero debt along the way. But it took a little while. How would you go about building this? 
take a couple years to uh, yep. save up the money to pay for these poles and cash. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Buy fewer of them. And boy, when they start cash flowing without any debt against them, they're going to cash flow like bandits if they do what you're supposed to, what you think they're going to do. How do you think yeah, that interest out for about 11,000 to pull? That's not bad. What do you make now? Uh, right now I'm making about 150 to 200. I've been in, uh, as a, I've been a real estate agent for about a year. Cool. So buy five poles a year. It's 50 grand. Well, the, the poles I'm looking at building, they're a bit larger, a bit more permanent, and that's why you can charge more for them. Yeah, I thought you said you and could own for 11000 a pole. No, no, 100000 a pole. They they earn you 11000 a month. Oh, 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 100000 Oh, really? I just wonder, Calvin, how did that industry do when your prime minister literally shut the entire country down? I mean, there were still, I'm not too sure. I haven't looked into those statistics. I'd but look I know into that, that right now, all of the areas around Calgary, the companies that are in it are expanding currently. Okay. Yeah. It's a highly speculative business. Yeah. I'm not borrowing $500,000 to start buying advertising polls, dude. I think you're going to, I think you're going to, you're missing some parts of this business that you haven't considered. I can't tell what it is in a three minute radio call. But uh, that's the answer to the question. I would save up and buy one, then I'd save up and buy another, then I'd save up and buy another. And if you're making as much money as you think you're going to make on them, you're going to cash flow your way into a whole bunch of them within five years. Ramsey personality is my co-host today. Thank you for joining us, America. We're glad you are here. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Eileen is with us in Connecticut. Hey, Eileen, how are you? Hi, Dave. How are you? Better than I deserve. I am. <laughs> I'm a first-time caller, but I listened to you for a long time. Well, thank you. Um, how can we help? I am going to turn 59 and a half. And I was thinking of paying off my mortgage with my TSP something. Cool. How much is your mortgage? Um, um, eighty-two thousand left. How much in the TSP? Seven hundred and thirty thousand. Great. Do it. Do it. Okay. Yep. So you got to make it on six hundred thousand with no debt. Life's rough. Right, and I have another Roth outside the. PSP too. You killed. You killed it, girl. You're a millionaire. <laughs> What's the house worth? Three twenty. I, I told you you're a millionaire. Wow. I'm yes, so proud nice of you. That. You, ever, you ever thought about it? I mean, you add up what you what you own minus what you owe, and if it's one million or greater, you're a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. I thought about it. Yeah. Hard to believe. It took a while, but yeah. Well, I mean, you, this is what you've been doing. What'd you do for a living? Right. Post office. What'd you do That's at the post it. office? Yeah. Just a clerk inside, you know. Just a clerk millionaire. So I, right. I started at what thirty thousand, and this is a high point, sixty nine thousand. But I've been there thirty five years. So. You single? Yeah. Well, I'm divorced. Yes, there was a divorce in the middle there. How long have you been divorced? And one. Oh, fifteen years. 
Okay. All right. And one son, he's 22. Yeah. Yeah, so you can do it. Hey, yeah. uh, I want you to go look in the mirror because you're a pretty impressive woman. Oh, okay. Your dad got a millionaire as a post office clerk. Shut up. This is, this is amazing. Wow. It's freaking amazing. Yeah. You did good. So. You did good. Yeah, I'm kind of a, kind of a nerd, yeah. <laughs> well, you've been the tortoise so long, you forgot it was impressive. <laughs> yep. You're steady. You're predictable. Yes. Right. That's and all those, all Every... those nights you wondered if you were going to make it when you were going through this divorce, right now they all paid off. Yeah, you, you that made was it. a little nerve-wracking. You made yep. it. You made it. You did wow. it. <laughs> That's great to hear that from you. Thank I mean, you're you. 69 years old. You get $600,000, $700,000 with a paid-for house after this conversation. 59. Well, 59. I, what did I say? 60 years old. 59, 60. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Close enough. I mean, yeah. you got to be 59 and a half to do this. But yeah. Ding, ding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. What do you tell so, people that their secret to being a millionaire is? Uh, you just got to be disciplined and just, you know, every week it just automatically goes in and that's it. What kind of, uh, which funds did you use in the TSP? The C, uh, the C, S and I, mostly C though. Yeah. So, so you've been following I, our stuff for a long time. A long time. Yeah. How long? In my, oh, 15 years or more. Yeah. Wow. You're a baby steps millionaire. Yeah. My son listens. We used to go on rides to Vermont, and I'd have you on in the car. So now he's he's very money savvy. <laughs> Good. Good to have a 22-year-old yeah. that's money savvy. They don't live in your basement that way. Oh, no. He left. Yeah. He's out west. Yeah. Well, very yeah. well done. What are you going to do to kick up your heels and enjoy your life now? I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Three have to five years, I plan to retire. So. Mm -hmm. We'll see. You like to travel? Yeah. Yeah. What kind so, of car do you drive? Yep. A Subaru. Five-year-old used Subaru. Okay. All right. When yeah. you retire, I want you to get a good car. <laughs> a okay. better car. Okay? A nice car. You're driving, yeah. a, you're driving a car like a post office clerk, not like a millionaire. <laughs> You hear me? Okay, I want you to enjoy yes, a little bit of this money. And I want All you right. and I want you yep. to be generous with some of this money. So I want to hear about some kind mm -hmm. of like cool trip you did. Mm. Like you okay. went to Switzerland or you rode a cruise ship mm -hmm. down the Danube or I don't know what you want to do. What is it you want to do? You need to go do that. And you need to get you a little All better right. car and just drive around with mm -hmm. a big old millionaire smile on your face. <laughs> okay. I'm so proud of you. Hang on, I'm gonna send you a copy of Baby Steps Millionaire since you are one. Now, that's fun, Ken Coleman. Uh, it's really fun because you can literally hear the light bulbs going off multiple times. You turned the light bulbs on in multiple rooms of her head there. It was like, oh, okay, I am awesome, and I was disciplined. And I am. That was really sweet, really sweet to see that, and, and uh, she's been through it, you know, and yet she stayed the course. Really exciting. I want to know what car she's going to buy. That That's kind of fun. You'd have to literally convince her to do it. Too. Oh, I'd have to take her to the dadgum lot, I'm afraid. But, yeah. <laughs> You'd have to drive her up there. Just drive her up and go, you're getting this one. Right? <laughs> but, yeah, because, you know, it's one of the things that those of us that uh, you grind and you grind and you hustle and you grind and you grind and you don't even look up. Yeah. 
That's right. And then when you look up, you go, oh, look at there. Right. And then you you have to build a new muscle. Yeah. And the, that's the muscle of enjoying the money. It's true. And being generous with the money at a different level than yeah. never before. She, you because told her. You, you, your emotions are still functioning down at, at one level, but your money's up at another level. Right. Well, you told her, You said she said, I'm a nerd. And you said, well, you've been a tortoise so long, you haven't noticed. And she she's already crossed the finish line. And she didn't realize she won the race. <laughs> like she just kept her head down she crossed the finish line right and she just keeps on going and for the next three to five years she's going to stack more money yeah you know because now she has a paid for house yeah or is about to i was telling a group of business leaders the other day i'm there i'm a turtle on a fence post mm-hmm. if you ever see a turtle on a fence post when you're walking down a country lane you'll know two things one is he didn't get there by himself yeah, that's right <laughs> it's the truth and two he's a bit surprised <laughs> what am i doing here <laughs> and uh yeah that that's that's the feeling you have when you when you cross over that apex yeah. Out yeah. on your wealth building you've you've been pushing the ball the rock up the hill for so long when it finally goes over the hill you're like oh god what do i do now i didn't even this actually worked yep. oh my gosh it's true and that's a standard emotion of how do i stop and be generous how do i stop and enjoy mm-hmm. and you don't have to be you don't have to become irrational i don't want to go buy a two hundred thousand dollar car but she sure does need a twenty thousand dollar one um and out of eight hundred thousand or a million dollar net worth now mm-hmm. and that kind of thing so what a wonderful wonderful thing so uh, here's what i want um We need to somehow bottle that call and for the the group in America that's out there saying you can't make it in America today, we need to remind you that a postal clerk just called here yeah. making thirty five to sixty nine thousand through her working lifetime and became a millionaire by fifty nine. Mm-hmm. We need to remind you people the little man can't get ahead. The rich just keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poorer. Wealth inequality is not fair. Let me tell you what the fair is. The fair is where the tilt-a-whirl is and the cotton candy is. That's what fair is. What's fair is that woman put money into her TSP and didn't go out to eat while your butt was down there stuffing tacos. Mm-hmm. And you and then you want to go, well, it's not fair. Let me tell you what's not fair it's not fair that you want some of her money and you just let this president raise taxes on her tax bill just went through that raised taxes on her that's not fair oh now you're getting me excited i mean really and so this is this crap man and this idea that you know this country is so broken that people can't get ahead that sweet little lady there it's true just worked steady worked hard worked disciplined worked consistently she had a life. She didn't live in a cave and collect lint and only come out on Triple Coupon Thursday. But she was diligent. She was intentional. And she became a millionaire by 59. And then you call me up and tell me it can't happen in America today. Kiss my butt. It can, too. It absolutely can. I talk to these people every day. Every day. Everywhere I go. And I can't stand it when you hope stealers out there, in the name of your leftist agenda, keep telling people that this place is so broken that you can't win. Hey, we got our problems, but we're the, still the best shot you got if you're the little man in the entire world. America's still the best shot for the little man in the entire world. That's a statistical fact, you morons. This is The Ramsey Show.
Our scripture of the day, 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Tony Dungy says, it's all about the journey, mine and yours, and the lives we can touch, the legacy we can leave, and the world we can change for the better. Truly one of the nicest people on the dadgum planet. Yeah. That guy is incredible. All class. So, no question about it. Greg is with us. Greg's in Rhode Island. Hi, Greg. How are you? Good, Dave. How are you? Better than we deserve. What's up? Thank you guys for taking my call. Long-time listener, first-time caller, so I appreciate it. Um, I'm calling with a question regarding whether or not uh, it would be a good idea for my wife and I to sell one of our cars. Okay. Why would you do that? So we... Um, well, we are moving in this fall to Tennessee, and um, we currently have two cars, and um, due to the fact that we sometimes commute to work, but we have jobs that have allowed us to go fully remote once we move, so we're no longer going to need the two cars. Um, so to avoid the expense of shipping one of them, we didn't know if it was worth it given the market and knowing that um, we're planning on having kids within the next three-ish years, um, we'd be wanting to get another one at that point. So, um, what are the cars worth? What do you guys think? Uh, so I've gotten a few estimates on the one we're looking to sell. And if we went through a dealer and sold it to them, it would be anywhere from nine to 11,000. But if we tried to do it private party, I think it would be a little bit more than 11. Okay. Do you owe anything on these cars? No, they're both paid for. What do you guys make? We make around uh, 180, uh, 185,000 household income. Okay. Um, I would keep the car until you make the move and get settled in the new life and make sure you don't need it. It's only $11,000. Okay. If you get to Tennessee and you're doing the home work from home thing and, and, that, and you settle in the rhythm of that for a few months and you go, really, one of these cars is kind of stupid sitting here, then you can dump it then. But uh, let, let's let's test your theory against real life first. Uh, it's because it's not enough money to matter in your situation. Okay, yeah. The, the other side to it, I don't know if I mentioned, but we are in baby step two, and we have about fifty-eight thousand left in debt to pay off. Um, but we've been we started a hundred. What's the other car worth? The, uh, probably just a few thousand more than that. Maybe yeah. like fifteen. If your cars aren't your problem. You were just you just okay. had to get organize with your $180,000 income and start knocking the 58 out, right? Yeah, yeah. We started actually paying down the 120 in, in November of last year, and now it's down to 58. So Way to go. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, so by, what, six more months, you're done at that rate. Yeah, I think our estimated payoff is something like uh, end of February or beginning of March. Yeah, that's what going. I was thinking. Yeah, very good. Very good. And mm -hmm. if the shipping in $11,000 car is a problem, just drive it. True. Yeah. Just drive it down here. And, you know, then you're in Tennessee. And I, 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 if it was, you know, a bigger percentage of your income or a bigger percentage of your debt, if it was a bunch of money as a ratio somehow, yeah, I'd probably dump it at that point. I mean, tell, tell me if the car is worth 50 grand. Yeah, I might dump it, you know, but it's $11,000. And your situation with as much money as you make, I wouldn't, it just doesn't move the needle mathematically. And so I, I personally would keep it, drive it down to Tennessee, part, you know, get your life settled, get yourself out of debt. And then you go, oh, I don't need this car sitting around. Then you get rid of it. But it's not really a math. It's not really a, a 
a financial necessity that you do that or a math-based need. Tom is in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Hey, Tom, welcome to the Ramsey Show. Thanks, Dave. How are you doing today? Better than I deserve. What's up? So um, uh, this is a question of integrity. I've paid off about $60,000 in debt, and I have just a few thousand left, 3000 on a credit card that I'm 99% sure that I did not um, – that I did not take out this credit card, that it's like an identity theft type of thing. Have you paid uh, on so, it before? No, I have not. You not paid a dime on it? No. It was on the very it was on the very end of my debt snowball. When did you find out found, about it? Um uh, about like nine I don't know, nine months, twelve months ago. Why did you not report it as identity theft then? Because I'm not 100% sure about it, and when I contacted the, the bank, uh, Huntington Bank, to get the transaction history, I, I spent about a year trying to get the transaction history, and they, they won't give it to me. So because they won't give it to me, I have, I have no idea if I actually took it out or not. So I'm not comfortable yet going to the police and filling out a, a criminal report for a crime that might not have happened. Okay, I'm a little bit confused about how your life operates where you don't know if you spent $3,000 or not. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. It's from like five years ago. Is when it was taken out, and it was taken out alongside of another. There, there were two credit cards taken out in my name. One was certainly me. The second one, I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure wasn't me. So this puts me in a place where my 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 question is: is if I find out that it, well, I guess it doesn't matter if it was me or not. The integrity thing is. I should, um, I should just pay it off. It's my name. I should be responsible for my name. You're not responsible for identity theft. Not morally, not under any definition of integrity. They're, those people are bank robbers. You're not responsible for them robbing the bank. So then it sounds to me like you're leaning towards the option that I'm, my integrity is trying to tell me to lean away from, and that's let the bank's insurance. You're in, you have a wrong definition of integrity, sir. If someone else robs a bank, it is not your job to make the bank whole. That is not integrity. They robbed okay. a bank. Someone robbed a bank of $3,000. Just because they used your name to do it doesn't make you liable. Okay. Um, I think you're feeling guilty for being so disorganized five years ago that you're not even sure if this is yours. No, no, no. It's, it's not a feeling of, of guilt at all. It's like a thing of... Uh, I think that our country lacks integrity, and I think I don't disagree with that. If you told me you, if you told me you had, uh, if you told me you had taken this loan out, I would tell you to pay it as a matter of integrity. But you didn't take the loan out, is what you're telling me. I mean, ninety nine point nine percent is kind of like a hundred. Okay, well, let me give you just a, just a real brief backstory. At the time that this happened, I was living in a really bad area of town that was overrun by gangs because I was house sitting. Um, a house for somebody uh, <laughs> for my church. I didn't realize that that's what I was getting into at the time, but that's what I ended up getting myself into. But I'm the one who made the decision to go and live in that bad area. And while I was in that ba- bad area, I'm pretty sure this identity theft thing happened. I think that's where my guilt is. I made a bad decision because of the bad decision that I made it cultivated. You in lived in an area where people from. robbed banks. One of them robbed a bank. That does not make you responsible for robbing a bank because you lived in an area where people rob banks 
If you'll think of this as a bank robber, it'll help you work through the ethics of it. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but it's not. Okay, dude, go pay the bill if you want. I'm yeah. not paying the bill if I don't owe it. I'm not. I'm done arguing with you. Yeah. Okay, but that that is it. Not a little fishy, Dave. That he calls the holder, the bank of the credit card, and says, "This is me, and I'm getting bills for this. I want to see the transaction history, and they won't share it with him." That seems a little squishy, weird to me. Well, that's yeah, it is weird. That's Something's not adding up, and then he feels like he's got to die on this hill here. So I, and how do you ninety nine point nine percent the point one? I, I, I think he's a hundred percent sure that he didn't take it out. I think he is. I think he's a hundred percent sure that he didn't do this, but he still feels like he has to do it for some reason. I don't know where that's coming from. No, it's it's it is not an integrity issue. Listen, no. if you call the show and tell me you don't want to pay a bill that you owe, I'm on. I'm going to be all over your butt for integrity, okay? I do it all the time, and I have for 30 years. But when someone steals your identity, you are not responsible under any scenario for that just because you lived in an area where identity thieves live. I mean, if you live in Canada and there's an attorney there in Canada that's trying to rip somebody off on a $13 million scam, are you liable because you live in Canada? No, you're not. This is just That's just absurd. This, this, this was that hour for sure. That puts this hour of the Ramsey Show in the books. We'll be back with you before you know it. In the meantime, remember, there's ultimately only one way to financial peace, and that's to walk daily with the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. Hey folks, Ken Coleman here. Did you know The Ramsey Show is one of the most popular podcasts in the world? Get your daily dose of advice on life and money. Check out all of our shows from The Ramsey Network wherever you listen to podcasts.